Just want to give you a quick overview. I met up with a good friend and wanted to have a continuation of anecdotes and opinions with him. I really enjoyed his perspectives, and I hope you do too. And welcome to Sober Discussions. I did mention earlier in the podcast that we might have the opportunity to speak to one of my good friends, Ian Davis. That's me. He's here! <laughs> so I thought it was you know, a good opportunity to ask other individuals about their opinion, and so here we are. So I actually have the benefit of time travel, so I've already listened to the thing you've already listened to, so physics aside. Um, well, Steve was researching and asking for like sources and generalized opinions and things that through my own experiences of housing, renting and trying to buy and just having it all kind of fall through, but also watching it all kind of on bad landlords specifically. So like the first place I moved out of was, it was right across the street from Westminster College. Really nice. My favorite place I've ever lived, honestly, because it's like it was a duplex, but the walls were pretty thick and we never bothered our neighbors and they never bothered us. There was no true bother of like, we were too loud for them, what was going on over there and they were, they were always fine. Anyway, really good place. Between three people was $1,300 a month. You know, three bedrooms, two bath, nice kitchen, nice big living area, had a garage. That was awesome. It was kind of everything me and my roommates wanted. It's like, wow, we have our own space, you know, moving out for the first time. Uh, so it was owned by a lawyer and she had actually lived there before. She painted she fixed it up when she moved out. It was good. It was in good condition. Didn't feel like we were getting screwed over. You're saying there wasn't mold in the walls. Yeah, there wasn't mold in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been there. But anyways, please continue. Um, what ended up happening, though, was like we kind of found out she was trying to sell the house. Um, like in the summer, our AC went out and she's like, okay, well, I'm trying to sell the house. I don't want to pour a bunch of money into it. It's like, all right, cool. But can we have AC, please? And she did install a new central air too small and ran all the time. And our power bill was like 150 bucks and it was still 85 in the afternoon with the thing running all day. Ouch. So so that was less than great, but she actually ended up selling the place to someone even worse. I didn't ever deal with any of these people. I was always at work when they would, would come around the house and look, so my roommates kind of dealt with them more. And my roommate's assessment was like, oh yeah, the older gentleman's fine and the other guy's kind of eh, weird. So time passes. Our rent doesn't go up, so that's cool. But the bank lost our check. So my we gave roommates was the one who was handling all the money. He would order, he would have a payment sent from his bank to the landlord. Very normal situation. That's how it usually goes. Most people are not actually writing rent checks anymore. Right. I don't think I wrote a rent check until my very last place I lived. So the bank lost it, the mail lost it, someone lost it, and the guy was freaking out was threatening to evict us, like he wanted to charge us all these late fees, like he was being very unreasonable. He hadn't gotten it that, usually, again, my friend, very good, had it scheduled, no worries, had not had a problem, and then this happens, this guy was freaking out. He was, I was not involved in these messages and emails, but I asked my friend, I actually talked to him about this recently because it came up, and I'm like, hey, do you still have those emails? He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> vivid anxiety manifested when I asked him about it. Anyway, so we dropped off the check at 10 o'clock at night, 
Like, we rushed to get to the bank before they closed because he was being super unreasonable about this timeline. We barely got there before the bank closed. We dropped it off at this, we'll say, opulent house in a very rich neighborhood. Well, what the place we were living in was probably about, I don't know, a fifth of the size of the house we were dropping the check off at. So that was that was not super great. Then they tore out our front steps up to the door. Oh, the f- so like the outside stairs, they tore those off. Uh, they just kind of showed up, like they hired, hired a crew. The crew showed up, took out the bushes, like cool, knew you were gonna do that. And then like the next day, our steps are like, crumbling and gone (laughs) fun thing we got the cease and desist from the city (laughs) they had not even they had not filed a building permit (laughs) they did Uh. not file a building permit so what i'm saying is like if you don't get this impression i'm gonna lay out my impression from all this these guys are rich entitled not think they had to play by the rules that's just it they felt like they were under under no obligation to have feedback with their tenants they are house like they <laughs> i don't like them they're the worst landlords i've ever had <laughs> right so so what you're saying is uh, we have regulation in place right yeah. do they have the opportunity not to follow it what was the end result for them following through with that regulation never completing the front steps so we had to <laughs> they, they didn't get they didn't get any harm honestly they didn't they just were told to stop and well, we were left with broken right. steps one way like two ways in and out of the house and then trying to move out of a house that only has two functional doors and could only really mm-hmm. go out one door and then we found out the hard way that our very big sofa only fit out the front door well, I mean, it got in some way, right? Because it went through the front door. It went in the front door. It had to come out the front door. So we risked our lives to, like, three of us were, like, on these... You would think, like, if you looking at them, you wouldn't think they were steps. You would think someone had just spilled a lot of concrete and it just kind of had formed that. Like, it wasn't smooth. It wasn't... But it was just, like, here's a bunch of scrap concrete. Anyway, so that sucked. Yeah. So landlords do feel often do not feel like they are obligated or required to follow the rules. I honestly don't know if they even knew the rules. Danny's company to keep him out of trouble so he doesn't go American Psycho. And I got and Daddy has to keep him out of trouble because he's gotten into trouble before. So we need to have him have his own little yeah, company so he, Danny's taken just, care of. Just as long as you can say that I'm your daddy every time you get money <laughs> from this company, right? I mean, that's a... So, so you're saying this, this business owner was gifted from a richer dad. Right. His yeah. dad basically gave him a company so he'd have some income and not do stupid things because finances make people weird sometimes, right? Yeah. Makes sense. That's so. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your daddy? Give me that paycheck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and honest, second place I lived, this is like the experience of renting, at least my experience of renting in Utah. That's like a lot of what I'm talking about. Next place I lived, it looked like it had been one house originally. Someone had bought it, someone had cut it in half, and then made the basement. It was a weird place because the entire thing was halls. You go into, it looked like it had a regular front door. You go into the front door, there's two doors. One and two for each apartment. So trick-or-treating was... We got trick-or-treaters, apparently. I did not know this because they only knocked on the outside door. Anyway, point being, the property manager of that one was a decent guy. He, he did his job. He didn't own the property, but it was his job to manage it. Our neighbors used to be super sketchy. They were drug dealers. There was a number of times I saw the dude. I couldn't tell if he had he had been asleep for three days or awake for three days. And this is relevant to the story, by the way, because after they moved away, uh, we had some friends over. After they got off work late, we were going to hang out, have some beers. We were sitting on the side of the house. They were having a cigarette. We noticed something. It's like, what? what is that? 
So we, you know, break out the phone flashlight. Cockroaches. And then we look at, shine it on the house over, like, we hadn't had cockroaches in our place, but we shined it to the, across the alley to the other house, covered in cockroaches, like, oh. That's awful. <laughs> that, like, makes me want to vomit almost. Oh, of, it was uh, horrendous. Pu- sounds putrid. <laughs> like, and this is an example of a great property manager. We called him the next day to say, hey, there are cockroaches next door. And he showed up in about two hours, got some spray, sprayed in the alley, sprayed around the base of the house. And he's like, if you see any cockroaches, let me know. That was definitely someone's investment property. This guy didn't own it. He managed it. Kind of thing. He was our, our point of contact. Honestly, he was doing his job. He did a good job. Mad props to you, Jordan. Anyway, so sure. our, our drug dealing neighbors, the ones across the alley with the cockroaches, I feel bad whoever, this is one of those instances where it's like, okay, I'm glad I'm not a, a landlord, because they had to gut that place. Right, you'd have to. Oh, they pulled out, all the garbage they pulled out was absolutely disgusting. Then they pulled out all the venting and all the insulation. They did a full, they had to do a, a full renovation of this place. If was someone was to do, you know, like uh, meth. meth or something, wouldn't it, that go into the air vents, right? Yep. And then, I mean, you'd have to rip it out, right? Like, there's no oh, other way around exactly it. exactly it, so... That sucks, man. It's one of those instances where, oh, landlords take all the all the risk. No, you don't take all the risk, but you do take on risk. I right. will, but to or you're not anticipating a that, renter to be like doing meth at your house. It's already illegal to begin with, right? Yeah, you. I mean, that makes sense. You to have me. a reasonable expectation that they're not going to break laws horribly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. No, no, that was a good point. Anyway, uh, let's go back to what you're talking yeah, about with Thought Slime. So you listen to our podcast. Uh, we talked about your an experience that was uh, pretty big impactful in your life about yeah. being, you know, a rental. Talking about takeaways from what you thought about in that podcast, what'd you think about it? I enjoyed it because it, well, it sets out what it sets out to do. It's a sober discussion. You just present a lot of good information. You show a lot of perspectives. And I think you and Mike arrived at the, at a good conclusion, like major arguments in clean, concise ways. I, it resonated with me. One thing I wanted to expand on it wasn't specifically, like, explicitly stated in the episode. For it, sure. it reflected an experience I had had. Mm-hmm. My, probably my best rent experience. It was reasonable cost. Not great neighbors, but hey, can't always choose your, Don't get to choose your neighbors often. Right. But the best renter experience I had, I had a very hands-off property manager. I think I saw her once. And here's the thing. As you mentioned, Elko, mm-hmm. places where people own the house outright, like they're not making payments, they're not trying to rent it out for this much money, get some decent people in here, keep the place fixed up, keep it maintained, everyone wins. Everyone's in a better off situation. Sure. Should we transfer into like buying, trying to buy, what I was seeing when I was buying? When you were mentioning, I was thinking of a very symbiotic uh, relationship. If you remember with Remorades, Sharks. That's a symbiotic relationship, right? Yeah. That's a very symbiotic relationship that's mutually beneficial for each parties. We can work it out. I really felt like my landlord was really good for the most part. Like we had some shortcomings, but who doesn't, right? Anyways. While I was at my last amazing place that I was renting, I had looked into owning. So it's like, all right, what's in my price range? It mostly meant townhomes and condos. Sounds about right. Yep, so I looked at a bunch of those. Got to a point. uh, There was actually one place I I looked. It was part of an apartment complex. Pull up to this place. 
It's a gated apartment. Also, honestly, not a great part of the city. Pulled up and I was waiting for my real, like, real estate agent to sure. show up. Guy pulls up in a truck. Like, he had been talking to someone else. Like, he had been parked in the middle of the street talking to someone else. And I just kind of, like, drove around him and, like, parked up. He pulls up to me and glimpsed out of the corner of my eye this, like, big grin, like, looking at me. And I ignored him. I was on my phone. It's like, I'm waiting for my real estate agent. Don't Please thank go you, away. my friend. That's hilarious. I, she shows up. We get out there were kids playing as soon as I get out close close the door the kids go away and it's like oh I'm a white guy in sunglasses I look like a fop to these kids painting a picture of the area I understand what I look like I understand the perception anyway go to this place it's someone's rental someone else is already living there and they're renting it so I'm like standing in someone else's house which uh -huh. is really weird trying to envision what I would do with it and I'm just right. like kind of uncomfortable the whole situation my real estate agent is like Oh, you could do this, you can do that kind of a thing. And like, if I remember correctly, at that time it was listed at 87K. Right. 87K. What year was that? That was in 2016. 2016. I'm just curious to see if we can pull up Zillow to see what yeah. that area cost is right now in 2020. Just because we're talking about housing costs. I think it might be interesting to kind of see a, like, a house for sale in that area. What I'm saying is I seriously doubt it's any remotely what you were looking at in 2016. Yeah. So we're looking at Zillow right now. You said 87K, right? That's what they wanted? About. I think that's what they were asking. And then what were they? I, I remember you mentioning a little bit about that story. Actually, I looked at another condo in that same exact complex uh -huh. where that had been done. And it was listed for probably about maybe $10,000 more. It had nice paint, nice flooring, like it was very cozy. So it would have been in one of these. It would have been in this one. Okay, so you're looking at 136K. So that's what it is right now. And you said that when you were anticipating, it was about 87K, right? Yeah, and then on the other side of the building, it, right. there was one for 97K. Okay. And then months later, it repopped, it popped up again and was way over. <laughs> I mean, it's at least within our lifetime, at least. Yeah, it, years it went up 40k in went up what four, four years. years. So you're like, Holy oh, I'm gonna shit. buy a home. Uh, let me work on that deposit. You go up to the bank. Hey, we need a ten thousand dollar deposit. You're like, oh, maybe I'll wait next year. It's steadily increasing. It's insane to just see how much the market has increased. And like, if you're trying to like pay out in cash outright, and you've just been saving up your entire lifetime, I don't know if you can keep up in this area or in Utah. I mean. Yeah, and again, like, this is not a great area. Like, right, this is, yeah, we'll call this Shady Town, right? Let's, uh, so kind of like we're looking at Sherwood Park, right? Yeah. Where, um, where would you say, you know, a, a better area is? Like, okay, let's look at not just literally across the river at uh, <laughs> Poplar Grove Boulevard. We'll see what this house is about. So it's two hundred and seventy thousand dollars, two bedroom, one bath, and they want two hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars. And so this is uh, zediment of what they're saying. What you know, if you've got a decent credit score, what's going to look like for you to buy this home? Just a ballpark, and it's fifteen hundred dollars, right? So fifteen hundred dollars for like a three bedroom, one bath. And it's going into a foreclosure. Did you see that crap? Pre-foreclosure. Yeah, like they're trying to get rid of it before it goes in a foreclosure. I'm telling you, these guys are loan sharks, bro. They are yeah. sons of perdition. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I was just curious on what that looked like. So thanks for uh, 
gandering through that with me, but yeah, no. So, so you made some good evaluations. If you don't have a large amount of income, then you're going to have to look into getting into kind of a, a cheaper part in town. And sometimes the cheaper part in town uh, is kind of, you know, well, what you wouldn't want to expose your kids to, right? Drugs and cockroaches and, you know, things like that. So I, yeah. I think... And honestly, one of my thoughts was, it's like I have a friend who, she didn't have a car. Right. So she would come over and hang out and she, where we were living, she had pretty good access to public transit. So it would be easy to like go and grab her from someplace or she would feel safe walking to wherever we were. This was one of those places I was like, I do not want my friend walking alone at all. I won't say I didn't feel safe. It's like I was very definitely concerned for the safety of my friends. It just has some bad vibes. Right? Yeah. Is what you're saying. You're just like, yeah, I just don't feel safe here. Yeah, yeah. I felt that before. I know what you mean. For sure. Yeah. Continuing kind of forward, uh, did you want to expound anything about Thought Slime that were your thoughts on it? I, it was like a 45-minute video, 40-minute video. It's a, it's a long video. I didn't um, just didn't know if there was like another thing or a couple of things you wanted to share with us about your perspectives on it. Um, one of the stories he, that he shared that really kind of like underline like... I don't know. I don't think he played part of that segment, but there was a segment where he was. It was a, basically a rebuttal to the one of the guys, hundred tenant guy. Right, the hundred tenant guy. We the, know who that guy is. Definitely, yeah, the hundred tenant guy, the YouTuber, I guess. It was a rebuttal to him. It's like, oh, we don't have the right to do whatever we want. It's like we have. It was the we have to follow rules too. The yeah. regulation, right? Uh, we have regulations to deal with. How, how how did that work out with that other landlord that bought that property? Took out your steps, right? How did that work out? Oh, probably pretty well for them. Last I heard, they cut it in half, and now the duplex is a fourplex. <laughs> oh, we talked about the multi-family home man, too. <laughs> I think it's all coming together. It is. Hey, guys, there's just so much, and then you just see it brew, and then it's there, and no one wants to deal with it. Perpetuate it. Thought Slime had a rebuttal. Do you recall what his rebuttal? The essence of it was sure. his apartment caught fire, so he had to leave. So the apartment tried to charge him with an abandonment fee. For they tried to charge. He couldn't live in the apartment, so he couldn't like he literally could not occupy the apartment. Right, because it was condemned. Right, because of the because fire. it was had been on fire. Yes, right, smoke damaged. Uh -huh. But they tried to, to like charge him an abandonment fee, like. Oh, you abandoned the property, and it's like you. And he said you failed to make repairs, and their repair was putting a little plastic over the window that the firefighters had broken. Yeah, so he had he ended up having to contact the city, and the city came in and actually, you know, charged the landowner, the landlord they had created. He's thankful that there was some mechanism he could fall back on, because a lot of people don't have that. If I was renting and something like that happened, I would. I don't know honestly what I would do. It's like, can they do that? I would probably look into getting a lawyer, but like, that, that costs money. Pay out and not deal with it ever again, or what? And that's, and honestly, that's where I think a lot of people are. It's perpetuated and a lot of people don't know, and the resources aren't there for people to know, that they, ended up get, they end up getting screwed like this, just because, let's put it this way, they're used to things not being on their side. The system the, people don't feel like a lot of things are going for them, so they just assume the worst and try to escape from the worst as fast as possible. Like, right. they don't necessarily know their fallback, what their recourse is right. for. Yeah, they don't really have a, any place to go, right? In that situation, they're kind of hosed. Yeah. For lack of, lack of a better term. Oh, and that's, <laughs> and that's exactly it. And it's one right. of those things where 
Um, I did end up looking at some of renter, like some renters' rights in Utah, and I have to say I'm a little disheartened because there are renters' rights, but those laws heavily favor the landlord. That sucks, man. Yeah. You think like if it's renters' rights, you think it'd be like a proponent for renters? And, and I remember hearing people say of like, oh, well, there are squatters' rights and things like that. It's like okay, but like. How many people, like, fit in that category versus just being, you know, just... They don't even have any justification of their actions, and it still is in favor for landlords because the lawmakers are the landlords doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Your real estate bros in the, in the house. Oh, my gosh. That hurts my brain. Uh, and I guess it, this... <sighs> This is kind of a sidetrack thing, but... Right. No, yeah, go ahead. If you're in Utah... <laughs> right. Um, you know that the in the Salt Lake Valley, where the state prison is currently located, that land is incredibly valuable. So they spent millions of dollars doing land surveys around the state to try to find out where to put the... to move the prison simply because the land is that valuable. So what you're saying is, Ian, and let me just make sure that I'm understanding this correctly... Developers did land surveys around the prison, yeah. right? Because they were trying to find a place to relocate the prison and build a new prison because they'd rather just turn that into property value. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Thank you. So there's that. But also, concurrently, we'll say, um, a very similar thing happened in the downtown area around the gateway where uh, there's homeless shelters. The city... So the city uh, decided to close these homeless shelters, and then they're like, oh, we're going to open a certain number of new ones. And it's like, yeah, but you net less beds. There's less beds. The infrastructure just isn't there. They're scattering. They're decentralizing the homeless infrastructure like to help deal with this problem. All because where that homeless shelter is is incredibly valuable. <laughs> So, well. <laughs> so so what you're saying is this this shelter's been around for a long time. It has been, yes. Right. And a lot of people knew, hey, if I know where this building is, I can go there and I'll have a, bed, a place to a sleep meal. or something. Right. So what the, so what you're saying is what they did is they demolished it, right? I don't know that they've demolished it yet, but there are plans okay, to do that. <laughs> so we're anticipating, I guess at this point, to demolish it and we're anticipating to build new locations with less capabilities than what the current one is. So not only is it centrally located, they'd rather maintain heating and plumbing and everything else and electricity w with several other locations than it is just to keep that one because they'd rather level it and turn it into property value. Yep. Wow. Into development properties. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so, well, you know, I if mean, you it have... makes sense, right? <laughs> I mean, not that I agree with it, but, oh, my brain. Some people have this impression that uh, just because you have nothing means you have nothing to lose. So they can take whatever you do have, and you haven't lost anything, right? Because you have nothing. Yeah. We have a very cold, uh, we have a very cold-hearted, business-minded... If you're a politician in Utah, it's authorities who speak loud about morals and then don't do, follow through. Yep, demonstrate that those morals uh, are for, are for sale, and are for sale <laughs> for the low low price of whatever they can get off the land that the state prison 
uh, sits on. Yeah. Or the homeless shelters sit on. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and I guess like if they have a facility and it was like state operated. Yeah. If they had a good facility that was like focusing on like rehabilitation and hey, if you're a piece of garbage, then yeah, you shouldn't have the opportunity to leave. But if you made a couple of mistakes and then you can fix it, then let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, visiting with us tonight. I uh, hope you have a great afternoon. Again, this is Sunday the 25th of October in 2020. Have a great night. Good night.